Welcome and bienvenidos a Nobody Cares. Today, I'll look into my probably infinite part series, People Destroying Christianity. While usually I take this to mean calling out some shithead Christian wolf in sheep's clothing type, today instead, we're destroying to create a new. Yes, friends, the idea presented today stops just short of worldwide flood and instead takes what I think is a pretty radical rethinking of the modern church altogether. The concept is called Founders Church, and it's one part co-working space, one part grassroots humanitarian headquarters, one part TED Talks, and one part just simple human community. Now, obviously, this is coming from a Christian perspective, but the hope is that the product is so excellent, the environment is so edifying, and the people at this church are just so sincerely undogmatic, maybe, that you can participate and you're not feeling like you're part of a bait-and-switch. The purveyor of this one-stop Wi-Fi Jesus shop is Doug Hewitt. He's a friend of mine, and his passion is for bridging the gap between technology and the church and taking the best from both of those worlds and incorporating them into something new and basically tossing out the rest. Robbie Bentley is another friend of ours, and he'll be on here too. I think all three of us are in a mode where we're considering the religiousness of our youth. We're deciding what's worth keeping, what's worth throwing out, and where do you go from there? As you will very soon be able to tell, I recorded this originally without really any knowledge of sound equipment or acoustics, so prepare yourselves for some underwater sounding vocals, my creaking dining room chairs, and if you're lucky, maybe even a few sirens in the background. But hey, at least you're getting what you paid for. So without any further ado, here it is, People Destroying Christianity, Founders Church. who made the Apple stores uh, and is part of retail, the re- brick and mortar, the brick and mortar retail stores uh, is a Christian and he worked with Steve Jobs uh, to make the original retail stores and now is handed over to like a new head of that thing and I think she's a Christian as well and she's now they're really turning them into these like community centers, these like experiential things or whatever. So you can, you can just go and learn about photography, right? They have like classes. And okay. so, so sh- of course they're going to like teach you how to do photography, like with an iPhone or with yeah. Apple products, right. but it is like legit courses. They just offer for free, whether it's That's kind of a public service, even kind of a public service. And so I went there over the summer. I remember I was at the San Francisco store, which one of their flagship stores. So they have like the, the best events or whatever. And they actually had a concert. Like, it was a Wednesday night, and at 7 o'clock, you know, on their big screen, they announced it, and they're like, yeah, we're going to have a concert, and this is a local band from Oakland. And I'm like, all right, I'll hang around and watch that. And um, so, and so the band plays, and, what, and it's this, like, hip-hop band from Oakland playing a bunch of, like, 
white people and, and other and like Asians and black people, you know, that are visiting mm. the store, but like fair, but they're you know, the band is like all black and so so listen to this like intercultural, like inner uh socioeconomic event happening at an Apple store. And I was just like, this is kind of incredible. And so they're just like playing the thing. They do their set and at the end they're like, oh yeah, well we're gonna do an interview and get to know the artist. And then they interview the artist and the first thing the guy says like like, yeah, I learned to play, like, at my church band. My dad's a pastor, and I'm a Christian, and, like, God's great, and, like, this is why I do this thing. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like, this guy who's playing his band mm-hmm. in this local Oakland is, like, giving his testimony to, like, a hundred or so randoms at the Apple yeah. Store. And, like, that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. like, there's something really cool happening here just on a Wednesday night where, like you know, the testimony of Jesus in this one guy's life is being shared. And it's like, that never happened on a Sunday at church. Cooler than 99% of youth groups too, I bet. <laughs> Probably. On a Wednesday night. Yeah. It's, anyway, I, um, obviously, I mean, Apple's going to want to push their product, you know, can't, but I, sure. I think something like a community center place, I think is the future of the church. Like I, I really do. And I think it has rolling events throughout the week. So if you're a work, you know, uh, maybe you're gone on the weekend, but you could check out something on a whenever Thursday night. It has like maybe a quiet prayer room that's really quiet for you to just like settle and meet God. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have like, you know, a 30 minute sermon that, that you could opt into or whatever. Or, or it's just you have people that you like they'll have like tables and you could have like conversation starters to just like. Have people like talk about maybe more meaningful things. Okay. Um, and 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 you come in and and there'd be people that work there and it'd be like their job and just like an Apple empl- retail employee, you know, they're actually told not to sell, right? They're they're told to like understand the customer and like be with them and show them, you know, which Apple product like fits their needs best, right? Uh-huh. But they're not paying a commission. They're not, you know. So it's like, I mean, that's just a product, or whatever. But it's like the idea of like. We'll taste and see that God is good, right? Like, t- it's like, oh, like you're struggling with parenting, or like you're struggling with like your identity, or your money, or your marriage, or you're like, mm-hmm. hey, like maybe we could talk about that, or we could connect you to like a small group, or we could, but just like a place where you could engage in that. You know, I don't know if people would. Obviously, you have to like experiment a bit mm-hmm. to see if people are willing to like talk to strangers, but um, and so having more of these, uh, like, like an opportunity for the unchurched to experience church, uh, the good things of like the, the, the discipleship, the spiritual encouragement, the spiritual growth mm-hmm. of religious communities in a like non-threatening way. Um, that doesn't have to be a lecture every week. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would even just be cool of, you know, you come in for an hour and then somebody really smart at the ter- church teaches you a little bit about personal finance or a little yep. bit about this or music or yeah. whatever. You like, you have experts in the church maybe and, you know, it's supposed to be a way of giving back so it's free or whatever. But you can get people in that way with and in a, in a non-salesy kind of way, right? Like we're just giving this away for free. Yeah. Come if you want it and sure, we'll do a little blurb or whatever at the end of like this is why I'm doing this. But kind of with no uh, expectations – of only if you come back and only if you give your life to Jesus will you will we hand you these good things. Right. Yeah, I've heard kind of the phrase used more in terms of like like feeding the homeless or things like that. Is that like, you know, they can't hear the gospel over their growling stomach. 
sort of thing of like, you've got to meet the personal physical need first, the immediate need of like, I haven't had a good meal in months sort of thing. Maybe afterwards I might be interested in Jesus, but if you say sit here for an hour and a half for a service and then you'll get a free meal, like I'm just going to be thinking about that meal the entire time. And whenever you say, maybe I, maybe it's good for me to hear, but I don't give two shits because I, you know, I'm cold and I haven't had a shower in years and Mm -hmm. I'm hungry. And I kind of would have done a lot of things just to get those things. Yeah. I'll listen to whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll sit here for three hours if it means I can get all those things, you know, whatever. And so, but one thing that's interesting, I'm actually looking at this, um, study from Gallup from a couple years ago, 2017, but it talked about the, they say of people who attend church at least once a month, say a major factor for them on why they attend that church is sermons or talks that teach you more about scripture. The 76% of people say that's a major factor. Hmm. Just the sermon, just about scripture. Mm-hmm. Number two is sermons or lectures that connect religion to your own life, which I think is maybe what, as we're talking about with like the financial advice or things sure. like that, like maybe bring the scriptural component into it of like, God says debt is bad. Let's get rid of debt in your financial life. Mm-hmm. But that's 75% of people say that's a major factor. So it's almost identical. It's pretty much tied for first. Hmm. But the interesting thing to me is that. So they gave them seven options. And number six on the list is social activities that allow you to get to know other people in your community. It's 49% say it's a major factor. So less than half say it's a major factor. And you know what the best way for people to get to know each other is to have them just sit and listen to one guy talk for like an hour and get like two minutes to say hello. Well, from an introvert, I love that. I don't want to talk to people. But like... (laughs) I it's think if the expectation has changed, then as an introvert, you prepare for that different. It's actually like a more engaging experience. Yeah. yeah. Small groups is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. But I think I think like like education's figuring this out, right? They're flipping the classroom because it doesn't make sense. Like if you can listen to lectures and you can do these things at home and online and all this stuff. You get the best talker. Then it's like when all the students gather, why are they just sitting to a lecture? Why aren't they collaborating and working on stuff? So like, likewise, why aren't people like making connections, making friends, Mm -hmm. um, depending on the level and the need, you know, you you, you need some kind of organization. You need conversation prompts. You need for sure. There's a lot of like complexity, but I've even, I've, I've been visiting some churches and I see this played out like in a Sunday service when the church is small enough, like maybe 80 people. It's actually like, pretty cool. I mean, even the introvert in me is like, oh, like, I just want to, like, zone out and listen to this thing. But then it's like, okay, we go, and then we sit in the table, and then you talk, and then you, like... And, like, every time, it's been, like, a good experience. Like, it's been maybe out of my comfort zone, but it's been ultimately a good experience. And I think if if I went... If I woke up that morning expecting something like that anyway, I'd be even more up for it, right? Yeah. Than waking up expecting to just be able to, like, fade into the background zone out and listen to a thing and not that I agree like learning about scripture is really important and there needs to be a place for that whether it's an in-person talk or a podcast or whatever and I think there'd be a way to facilitate that but but I think uh, we it's so out of proportion that what we think is normal is actually like very unhealthy yeah and and heading back towards the communal aspects Mm -hmm. would, would be beneficial yeah
Totally. And I think depending on the size of the community and the event, you know, it allows for different things. Yeah. And so I think creating a space that can be fluid, but also intentional and understand like, okay, we have 20 people. It's going to look like this, or we have Mm -hmm. 200 people. It's going to look like different. And obviously it's still like a very loose idea and there's a lot of like details Mm -hmm. that need to be worked out. But I, but I'm convinced that like this is, is gotta be part of the future of the church is, um, it's because, you know, for sure, uh, community groups and, like, small groups and, like, it's still, like, a part of, of the church. Yeah. But, but kind of, I don't think, I don't think, like, home church alone, and maybe it's just different place for different people. And for, the other thing I realized, like, one model doesn't work for everyone. And that's something I've been reflecting on. But, but, um, but the thing with the, the, just when you have the church group is you don't get the feeling of, like, being a part of something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And you don't get the reminder that like there's a mission involved. It's not just like my personal salvation and my little mm-hmm. happy dance and figuring out my stuff. But it's like we're part of this community. There is a mission. There is an enemy that's Satan. There is like a world that like God is redeeming and that we can like partner in that redemption. Mm-hmm. And and so if you could you know go to a space where you get a little bit bigger numbers, not just like the twelve people mm-hmm. and show up to your small group. Yeah, that's cool. That I mean, I mean to me that was one of the exciting things about Mars Hill. I mean, obviously, a lot of problems, but one of the cool things about Mars Hill was like they were all about recognizing this mission that we were on and like, and you're part of this movement and you're, you know, and and people were legitimately, you know, meeting Jesus there, which was one of the good things. Um, You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad things and and, and everything, but but I have something in there, so it's like, so that's why I think, okay, there's still something about the community space and and engaging in the community. setting that is more powerful than the home mm-hmm. um uh, and, and you see it you know in different um like whether it's whether it's paul talking to the greeks uh, uh like with the unknown god and, and, and it's it's like in this public forum i mean i mean basically like i i think the analogy is like paul's giving a ted talk he's giving a ted talk about christianity yeah. Like, that's awesome, right? Like, that's, instead of our best speakers, right? Because there's some, I mean, like, I think John Ortberg, I've been listening to him more. I think he's phenomenal. He's a great speaker. Yeah. But instead of him, like, preaching every Sunday to, like, literally the, I mean, to Christians learning more great Christian insights, yeah. what if he gave, like, one TED Talk a year that went to, you know, like Tim Keller? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's like, how do we channel this? And sometimes you don't have those avenues, you don't have those platforms. But if you do, it's like, why are we just preaching the choir over and over again? Uh-huh. And, and why is Sunday not a place to mobilize and disciple and have more peer groups instead of the one sage on the stage mm-hmm. telling us what to do? Yeah. So, and, but then the people who are good speakers can then speak to, to, the, to the world, not the public. So. Mm-hmm. There, that's another idea we can write down, just religious TED Talks then, yeah. but making it practical that maybe anybody would want to listen to. Yeah. So I think John Acuff is a good example of this, like, because he kind of had this, like, I'm going to say the horrible word, the secular background and, you know, about, was it like management or like kind of, um, yeah, kind of like an inspirational speaker and, you know, like his books that he writes about isn't like, I'm going to make you lead like Jesus, but he talks about the concepts that he knows like as a Christian and just puts in a way that's not like you know, Hey, and don't you forget like this, the best way, because God told me so (laughs) it's just like, this is the right way to do things in very practical ways. Like, don't be a dick as a manager, you know, it's a, it's a strong take, but, (laughs) but the second you say, don't be a dick manager because God told me it's almost like, Oh, I don't want this anymore. You know, there's kind of this bad taste 
of like, oh, you're making this a religious thing. Right. But he's just like, no, I'm taking the stuff that I believe and that I, you know, mm-hmm. love and I'm just writing about it. I don't have to make it about the thing. I don't have to tell you that God told me so. Right. Like, wisdom is still wisdom regardless of whether you would attach mm-hmm. because God said so or not. Yeah. And it's like the, back to like the, you know, feeding the homeless thing. It's like, what if we, because um, who is it? I always forget his name, but talks about like why don't we just do nice things because we just want to do nice things like why do we have to tell people that god inspired me to do it Mm. like could we just feed the homeless because they not tell them that we're part of a church or do we have to tell them that we're part of a church like are they gonna lose out Hmm. so bringing it back the the idea at least a year ago was titled founders church right but okay It's a, at the very least, if I have it correctly, it's a reaction to some dissatisfaction maybe with churches or how they're run at least. It's uh, maybe a solution to the fact that Christianity's on the decline and we're not ready to abandon it, but we want to figure out a way to, it's cliche, but make it relevant to the lives of people again. So what is specifically driving you to develop this idea though? I think at its core, and, and yeah, and the, the idea has changed a bit, you know, in the last year as I've changed things. But, but I think the core of the idea, uh, if you guys are familiar with Dallas Willard and who's popular in like Menlo Church and, and some things that I've been learning about recently, but um, this idea that like salvation is transformation, that like that perhaps the core purpose of Jesus and of life is not to give us fire insurance for the afterlife, but is actually to like change us today. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's like it's transformation and salvation for like here and today in the present. And and yeah, there's there's an afterlife. Yes, you know, there's these theological things. There's but but really the importance of like God created this whole universe and like all these issues is to like make us better people like for whatever reason however free will works and all all these things is like we start in this like not great state and it's to like get us to a better state Mm -hmm. and so if salvation is about transformation and not fire insurance for the afterlife well then what are the practices and the things and the institutions and and whatnot that um that can be done anyway and so i think those institutions well then they don't look like lectures right because a lecture is all about an understanding which is all about a belief to quote unquote pass the mark to then be accepted in the afterlife Mm -hmm. um it also comes from i think the ancient world and a day in which there was no other education right and so whether it was in the ancient world in the middle ages uh, I mean, Christianity's kind of like create a lot of universities, which is like, like they did a lot of good things, but it was to create learning and to understand the world better. But in like today's world, we have Google and you have all these things. Learning is everywhere. But if transformation is a key, what are like other other practices that can be done? And so then you get into like the idea of like spiritual disciplines. You get in the idea of like uh, Christian monks and spiritual and, and, and like what does that look like in a practical way? And how does this you know, make me a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not totally sure, you know, what it looks like, but I think that a lecture every Sunday is not the approach. And I think something like a community center that anyone of any faith can drop in, you know, nine to five, seven days a week and have different events and different experiences could be really compelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there would need to be some practical things, like it would probably need to 
uh, like serve coffee in the morning and you know wine at night. Like I don't you know like it, it would like provide. Uh, it would need to make money. Like it would need to be self sustaining. Like like I think I think I think the other thing is that um, I think we should not ask people to give to the institution first, but rather to give to maybe like other institutions, right? Because God calls us to give, but God is like, uh, he doesn't need our money. Mm-hmm. But the current church model is the church needs your money. And so it actually mm-hmm. creates, I think, a really unhealthy image of God that if, I mean, of like, well, he needs my money because you need to pay for this building and you need to do these things. But if, but if you actually can create some sustainable, some economic stability mm-hmm. in the thing so that uh, I, I think you actually get people to a healthier state of giving and be like, no, you know what? We make money because, I don't know, we sell knickknacks, we sell coffee, we sell beer, whatever it is. Uh, you know, if Starbucks can figure it out, hopefully we can too. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, yeah, you should give, but you know what? There's this great fund that's like serving the homeless right here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Get, let's partner with them and let's make, make that happen. So this sounds a lot like what Francis Chan has been talking about. Like he had this book come out in the last like, year or two called Letters to the Church. Hmm. And the whole premise was what would the church look like if you had never had experience with the church and just read the Bible? Like let's get rid of all preconceived notions of what it is, what it looks like, the organization, Sunday morning, you know, 30-minute sermon, you know, all that take it all away what would it look like and he's come up with this model which is heavy on the home church but it would there would be no sermon it would be essentially like every day everyone reads a certain passage of scripture and then on whatever day worked for that specific home church they would meet and talk about it and that people whoever whichever home church you met at you were all reading the same thing every day so you could go up to the person and be like oh what did you think of the passage today and you would already know what each other Hmm. was talking about Hmm. and so assuming you know everyone was reading it the same day yeah 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 i decided it was interesting because you know he has this mega church background when he was down in southern california at simi valley Mm -hmm. and he i remember watching this talk that he did at a convention or whatever and he's like the reason why he left that mega church the cornerstone and semi valley was it hit him that he's like if jesus came through the front doors that he's like would we even let him in so there was that and he said like he felt like a lot of people at the church would wouldn't listen to jesus and would only listen to him mm-hmm. to francis chan he's like yeah i can't be a part of this mm-hmm. he's just like i'm i'm done and that was like a huge reason why he left and so he's like you know, people will sit outside in sub-zero degree temperature to watch a football game for three hours mm. and won't sit in a service indoors for an hour. Yeah. He's like, we've got this so wrong. Was because what people see at the football game is more impressive to them than what yeah. they see in the church. So you actually wrote down this on the on this uh, shared file from your idea from yesteryear. Okay. The Francis Chan what cell church? Uh, yeah, that's the, what. Ron yeah, was talking about. yes. We are church. Four main points. One is loving community, like a family genuinely, genuinely and intimately cares about each other. Goal two is to share the message of the gospel and on a mission to tell others about this amazing message. 
number three, gathered and focused on Jesus, Jesus and communion, praying, fellowshipping, learning the Bible. Number four, equipping and training leaders uh, to instruct other people and serving the Lord and other people. So that all sounds good. And it kind of sounds, I, I feel like it's not that far off maybe than the church we already have. And in, in a way, like your idea is a lot more radical than even that hmm. is do you have any issues with that or do you just want to take it further? Yeah, no, right. I, I think like what that said, what Robbie said is great. Uh, I don't have issues with it, but I, I think it is not far enough. I think it's only part of the th- mm-hmm. I, It's like half of the, the equation. So that part of the equation is is for people who already believe, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, how do we make this better mm-hmm. for believers? For, which is good, right? I mean, it, for us to grow you know, encourage each other, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like that model does not necessarily impact uh, non-believers. So, I mean, not, not as bad because you can invite your coworkers and friends to your home church, right? But it, it doesn't impact the world in maybe the other ways that like a community center could mm-hmm. um, or that trying to press into uh, secular uh, uh, platforms like TED Talks could. Um, I, I think both. It's like so. If you have this genuine community that's creating genuine hearts and genuine outcomes, that's pretty exciting. And then you have these a few gifted speakers and community centers that are then like almost like the marketing, right? So that people even know this is going on. To so people like taste and see the guys. That that was the whole thing. I mean, that I saw at college, that I saw at work. Is it's like, man, like my fraternity got like they're never gonna for XYZ they're never gonna go to like the Christian community thing because like the culture is different and as much as the Christian community wants to just preach Jesus it's like really you gotta be like them in culture like us right there's a culture difference sure and so how could you get a little more of the the taste and see in a course and for some people are just gonna reject it right and I mean it's just gonna happen and, and but but some people might reject it this year and three years later they might come back, you know, so it's still like planting seeds mm-hmm. that I think is important. Yeah. So you just mentioned it's important that you can feel welcomed in. How do you feel like you're going to get a wide variety of people? Cause it, it sounds very good. Um, you're coming in, you're maybe getting some practical help or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's bringing people in. Maybe give, give us a little more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it could take a couple of different forms. So, okay, we have this – so the idea is you have home churches, you have small groups. That's great. But then you you still have some kind of, like, communal presence. And so that might be a physical building that the church owns. That might be a space rented out in a co-working space like WeWork, um, like these existing institutions. But it's it's central. It's like an urban environment. And then depending on the the level of structure – so let's say that we own the building. Let's just say that we have, like, a nice, like, smallish Apple Store little – venue. I think some of the things that you could do is you could have a floor that is just straight up, this is co-working. And so people pay, you generate revenue, you, it's, it's to be like really great co-working, right? Mm-hmm. And then the floor above that is like a lecture hall. It's like a, you know, or something like that. And so you bring in speakers that are Christian and they're going to like talk about work and they're going to talk about management. It could be like, like John Acuff or whatever and they're going to talk about, but they're going to like have these Christian lens. And so they're going to provide value to the tenants who are you know, professionals or whatever working in the, in the thing, 
and and then you know surprise it's Christian. I mean a, a little bit of that, right? Uh-huh. Of, of like, and and you have these these digital like kiosks or whatever of events upcoming, so you can see like oh there's gonna be talk about management, and then there's gonna be like straight up a sermon on like Genesis twenty three, right? Mm-hmm. And so. People can like opt in or out, right? Like it's not forced, it's not, but it's it's there. It's like oh, like this is interesting because maybe it's Genesis twenty three, whatever. I don't even know what that is, but it's talking about like you know what does the Bible say about women? And like, well, that's a pretty like pressing issue that people might care about, even if they think that they don't. But it's like yeah. oh, like. I really enjoy working here. The service is great. And now they're like talking about a topic that I kind of think I know and I kind of think Christianity's backwards on. But yeah. And so maybe maybe they're going to go. And then at the end of that talk, you could be like, oh, we have these like home groups, small groups, if you want to like talk mm-hmm. to more. Right. So there's still like this funnel mm-hmm. of things. You'd have to think about it. But I think it's like you'd open it up to like if like a Muslim wants to like give a talk about like how great Islam is or like if people from the LGBTQ community want to like give a talk about something like that, like, like kind of make it open because yeah. if Jesus says he's a truth, you know, the light and the way and it, like that truth, like it should stand above. Oh, so like, man. why not welcome the competition? Cause, and this gets into something that our country lacks, right? We don't have a way to have civil dispute. And so why not create a forum and an opportunity to like, Oh yeah, I could, if I'm a Bible-thumbing Christian, I could, like, hear, uh, you know, uh, someone who's trans, like, give their story. And then after that, there's going to be, like, uh, something, you know, preach about Romans. Mm-hmm. And, like, see what happens when both crowds, like, listen. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's going to, like, be really bad. or maybe, But I think that'd be really But, I mean, that's – oh, my gosh. You're speaking my language right now because <laughs> like, it's such – it's kind of a departure in a good way from how it is because if you actually have faith in God and the people putting on this church would be obviously Christians, right? Right. But like, isn't that not like the ultimate show of faith of just like, I can welcome other people in here and not be like freaking out that they're going to convert all my people away because like at some point, if I, if what I believe is actually true, like, should that not be more compelling shouldn't that win people over just because it's true and if suddenly people aren't being drawn to it then to make you almost second guess like in a good way okay where am I off yeah what if I believe that is not clearly true right yeah and then it becomes a place of we're actually just seeking the truth more than even anything else yeah, so that Philip Yancey, the Vanishing Grace, he talks about these like three groups of people that non-Christians will respect, and one of them, he says, are pilgrims. And the idea is like, mm. we're all on a journey. Like, there's not the, I've arrived, and you're an idiot, and you haven't gotten here yet. Like, I know more than you, but more of a sense of like, yeah, ultimately, we don't know. Even the most devout Christian, there's doubt. Even the most devout atheist, there's still got to be doubt. And then I think it kind of strikes the right amount of what we should all aspire to be, of being both confident in our beliefs, but also being very extremely humble about it, too. Like, being very sure of maybe what we have, but also being very unsure of even ourselves. And just like, Mm -hmm. you know what? This is the best I know right now. The next point I'm curious is about is that seems really good. I like the idea. 
is how are we going to make sure that that is enticing even to a non-techie audience? Because like, co-working, it obviously is a very tech-heavy right. thing. Right. Could could you throw in some some art space? Because even on this side of the bay, we care about other things than tech. Um, and even though I'm not really part of that scene either, but there's there's a big like artist warehouse yeah. scene and all that, and very independent and all that. Could could there be room for something like that to be able to get those people into and acknowledge that there's a wide variety of uh, of uh, people out there? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's totally the dream. Corkin is just one yeah. avenue, uh, and it's one that you know I'm familiar with and, and that we've tried. But I mean, what? So I think that'd be great. What other ideas? I'm trying have? to think of because at its best, you know, a church would have a diverse variety of people, right? So how do you get old people to come in? How do you get yeah. really young people to come in? How do you get all kinds of other people, right? Yeah. So it's that's how could we get that wide variety of people in here? And I think I mean, that I'm curious to find that out too. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think it'd be one of those things that would happen over time. I, I think in the beginning, you'd have to go after one specific audience, not because we don't love the other ones, but but the nature of trying to do something new and that's weird and that's well, it's like you got to cater to somebody mm-hmm. to get. It's sort of just the nature of startups. And then you could, you know, expand and, and alter as, as it goes. And, and especially particularly on, like, geographic location, mm-hmm. you know, to talk to those people. Going to high school years, I went to a Presbyterian church in Dublin okay. called John Knox. And, okay. Um, and it's that's Pres- ser- service. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, like, I think it was, like, after the sermon or maybe right before it. He would, you know, pastor would already be up there and be like, all right, you know, let's have time for a prayer request. Mm-hmm. And people would raise their hand. He would go up, hand on the microphone and be like, this is happening in my life. I'm out of work. I think I'm going to lose my home or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever people wanted to share about, he wouldn't stop them. He wouldn't. Yeah. There was no. And so I, I thought that was like the one of the cool things as, yeah. as backwards as Presbyterians can get. <laughs> Believe you me. Shit gets backwards there. But I thought that was like kind of oddly progressive of them to do. Mm. But maybe it's actually going back a ton. Maybe that's like early church. So maybe it's not that progressive. It's actually uh, going back to how back. it was originally. Uh, and then we lost our ways. Well, and is it I don't know. I have not done in-depth study, but my understanding of even the Jewish synagogue is a little more communal space than the medieval lecture halls that we have our churches today. So let's get let's go a little bit more in on the the structure of this. So you have this. You you know the bottom is is co-working. The, the, the upstairs is maybe a, a lecture hall or whatever. Is this is this six days a week? Is this is this the work week? And then what does what does Sunday look like? I think it's like seven days a week. Okay. And I think that the basic structure looks the same, but of course the content and the events um, you know are gonna be different depending on the weekend or the weekday. I do think that Sunday and Saturday should be treated more or less the same. 
As every other day? Uh, well, as in weekend days. Okay. So there should be a day, right? So, you know, uh, through actions and, and structures and things, we do want to promote, like, healthy work-life balance, right? And so perhaps, you know, the co-working space is closed, right, on the weekends, and that space is then open for other events. Maybe they're art-centric events. Maybe they're... Community uh, events. Community events. I don't know. Maybe it's professional development, you know, I don't know, but maybe it's, maybe it's a lamb party. I mean, jiu-jitsu classes. Maybe it's jiu I don't know. I mean, I mean, whatever, I'll like arm bar the devil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's how Jesus did it. You know, you, obviously you'd have to like the space would have to, we can't invest in the materials for like every kind of activity or whatever. So sure. Let's see what material we have and what other activities it lends itself to. But, um, okay, so probably land parties then. Sure. You know, why not? <laughs> if you could, you know, get a bunch of people, like, to play games with other people, you know, humans, like, next to each other and not just online and not just, like, I think that could be a win of itself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and connecting them. And I, I guess the big idea is, right, is, like, is just connecting people. Mm-hmm. And so what that looks like on a Monday is going to be different than on a Sunday or a Saturday, but finding ways for people to connect, I think, is really powerful. And I think it's like sorely needed in in our, you know, modern day Christian mm-hmm. or not. Uh, yeah, the possible, I, I don't know. I go back and forth. You know, a Sunday because the idea is we'd have these lecture halls, right? We have these like rolling lectures, yeah. And there'd be some idea. So for sure, I'd want to get away. Like there would never ever be like a paid staff pastor that has to like give a lecture every Sunday, like that. There would is, not be. There would not be. Like, that just, like, doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we, what you'd want is, you know, a rolling selection of gifted speakers that are giving talks about different things. You, you'd still have series. You'd still have these things. They'd be different days of the week. You know, I don't know. There'd be podcasts available, that kind of a thing. So you could still have, like, teaching material and Bible study and these things, mm-hmm. but, like, crowdsource it, right? And, like, yeah, so, so, something, something with that. And, and I don't know, uh, because it's like, well, maybe some people want that traditional experience and they want to go, you know, on a Sunday. And so it's like, would we just have like a lecture Sunday, but just from like a rolling panel of, of speakers? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, but maybe not though, because maybe the idea is we want to break people away from this. I, I don't know. With the talks themselves though, even the talks themselves, one thing that would be for sure a thing is there'd be some thought and structure onto the talk. And like probably like a hard cap at like no longer than 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe look at some studies or look at some, I don't know what TED Talks do different, th- you know, but to kind of figure out like what is the optimal like yeah. time that people can really absorb Pay attention. Exactly. Because um, for sure these like hour long, you know, it's just, I think, kind of silly. They drone on. Yeah. Yeah. So, but sometimes you want to get into a complex thing. So 30 minutes sounds good. Yeah. The other thing though, I think like a lot of like 15 minute talks followed by discussion, uh, either panel discussion, small group discussion, you know, that kind of thing, I think would be really awesome and Mm -hmm. also would be a platform for, like, new people to, like, practice speaking. So if you want to, like, practice preaching, like, here's an opportunity to, like, on a Wednesday and give, like, a 10-minute talk to, like... Open mic. Open, like, to the random people. Mm -hmm. I don't know about open mic. It might be planned. Maybe open mic would be a different thing. Because mm. that, that's like, like, it'd still be like plan and a little bit of orchestrated or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, open mic could be a different thing. But anyway, but the idea of like 
people can sign up. They want to talk and, you know, here's what I want to talk about and things like that. And, and, and try to, you know, it's like as an institution, we would try to build connections with other uh, meetups and and groups that have platforms. To, so it's like, well, wow, wouldn't it be if if we actually created a reputation for ourselves that people admired? I mean, what if it could be a training grounds for people who want to give TED talks, and now they can like train giving these ten minute talks to the handful of people here, and then it's like, oh, that that talk was really good, almost like the TEDx conference, right? That. Ted does uh, the smaller thing, so and um, like can partner with that. So I've got a question for you here. So I've been trying to like make sure I understand what you're saying. So let me just—I'll read this to you, and you tell me if this is accurate. Okay. So most people who regularly attend church, so those who financially support churches, are there for sermons and Bible knowledge. I'm based on based off that Gallup poll that I mentioned okay. back where it was like 76% say the major factor of why they go to the church they do is based off sermons. Um, so most people who regularly attend church are there for the sermons and Bible knowledge. I have issues with that, but if that's what the poll says, okay. And I can show you guys if you... One is no, I mean, I believe the statistic. I don't yeah. believe that's maybe what people actually believe. Okay. So maybe some sort of like blind spot to... Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so if we assume that it's accurate and people are being honest with themselves and all that. Um, so they're there for sermons and Bible knowledge. In order to change this dynamic, we would need to develop a business plan to financially drive a different way of doing church ministry. After getting ourselves off the ground financially, we could start to change the plan. Less about pure Bible knowledge and more about life application to biblical truth. Is that a fair assessment of what you've been saying? I think so. Um, for sure, like the Bible still needs to be like important and it needs to be taught. Mm-hmm. But like we said earlier, it's like having the faith to like let it stand against other ideas mm-hmm. um, and, and I think I think showing I think showing the application and showing you know that yeah it would be would be strong so yeah I, I think that's accurate okay how how would you make sure that it doesn't or maybe you don't care if it does become more of a Universalist. We're just a religious center who just brings everybody in, yeah, to talk about things. Actually, so I do. So I don't want it to be a universalist thing. And, and this is actually perhaps the biggest challenge of this whole idea yeah. is, mm-hmm. um, and this was going to seem paradoxical at first, but I'm going to try to explain it. Is I don't want this to be Christian exclusive, and I don't want it to be universalist. Okay, so what does that mean? So what I want is a for a, a, a place and a forum for people to give different talks about what they believe, but those are going to be like very different and very clear. And it's going to be they're going to be like signs, like you know when you walk into the stage and it's like you may not agree with everyone this person says. You are to give him your respect and you are to listen or you are to leave. Right, like that is it. So, like it is. I mean, there's a welcome and there's it's a friendliness. Same signs outside Mars Hill. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a lo- no. But there's a little bit of like 
we want to believe in tolerance and we want to like actually live it out because I do. Th- so, you know, we can critique the church. If we want to critique culture, I think there's a lot of talk of tolerance without actually living it out. And so in this sense, I would love for there to be back to back talks of one guy saying why he thinks homosexuality is wrong. And the next one by a, a, a homosexual person, you know, saying why this is right. And, and so that each item is sort of the self-contained thing of like, hey, this is what I'm about. We're not saying that all beliefs are the same. We're not saying that all beliefs are equal. We are saying that people have different opinions. People have different beliefs. You may agree with them. You may disagree with them. Mm-hmm. And like, let's talk about it. And, and let's not hate each other. And let's not, you know, and... If this could be the recipe for disaster, like, I don't know, but, like, that's the dream. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that kind of what the actual Mars Hill was, like, back in the day that Paul went to where they talked, the Greeks talked about things, and he just brought his own ideas to it, and they just all discussed it, right? Yeah. There's one passage. Mars Hill Church, there it is. There's one passage in Acts that I thought was, like, so good where Paul's talking, he's like, you guys believe this. And he starts quoting like very secular, like writers. He's like, you guys say this. I agree with you. Yeah. You just don't understand what the end thing is. Yeah. So he's talking to them in the words that they would understand, which maybe is kind of the Ted talk sort of thing you're talking about. It's like going through kind of the Avenue that is not just palatable, but even understandable to people that aren't a part of church and it's something I keep coming back to this I'm sorry I have to apologize this Philip Yancey thing um, he essentially said there's like pre-Christian and Mm post-Christian in terms of the non-Christians there's the people that have gone to church and said no thanks then there's the people that have never gone to church and he's like if you want to understand the two it's like he said try explaining love to someone who's been divorced Versus a virgin. He's like, the way you talk about love will be dramatically different. Mm. So if you talk about the feelings to a divorcee, they'd be like, you don't get it. Mm. It's not just about love. You, I've already lost any desire yeah. to understand what you're going to say. Because you clearly don't understand. Mm. And maybe it's an oversimplification on our part as Christians to just view all non-Christians as the same as opposed to the kind yeah. of stories of how they got to the place where they're at. And maybe that wraps around to the whole pilgrim idea of we're all on a journey. We've all been through things. That's where I think kind of your idea, I think, has a lot of promise to it. If, you know, as you're saying, kind of the downstairs would be like the workspace, upstairs the lecture hall. Like, I see it kind of playing into this pilgrim artist activist. Like, the debate would be the pilgrim idea. Right. And that, that's hopefully it's like, you know, you go in, you're there for like half an hour, an hour and you leave, mm-hmm. you know, and and maybe you made a new friend. Maybe you heard a new idea. Um, maybe you got some good coffee. I, I don't know. Maybe you worked on, you know, you, you painted something. Um, but then you leave and you take that to your community in your home. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the activist part um there would definitely be like a clear there'd be like like kiosks and also like events and things of like organized like hey we're gonna like serve the homeless you know this day we're gonna we're gonna clean up this thing now but but what what I think the answer and this I think there was a question you're gonna ask um, 
I think the answer is to partner with existing organizations. Okay. Because I, I was thinking about this model, and this was a couple of years ago, I was kind of like sharing this idea with someone, and they kind of asked like, well, do you think the church should be, you know, because I was like, how should the church engage work and like companies? And so, so actually, you know, like large organizations, you know, have the, the whole culture of your, your environment and, and really emphasizing your, the work and there's sort of community and there's, there's almost like a spirituality around that. And so then should the church be like its own company that's like competing with these things or should it be something that works with existing organizations? And, you know, should the church be um, lean or, 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 or big? Uh, I think it should be lean. I think it's like lean as like physically possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think partnering with organizations of all shapes and kinds would be the best way to fulfill the mission. Because it's like when you look at the church in Acts and you look at well, what is a church, it's it's a community that creates a catalyst of change. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't need to be about one specific uh, thing. And I think that's kind of goes in line with the whole mission of the church. It's kind of, I don't maybe like a light meritocracy of like, we just want really smart people to bring in stuff from all here. So we're going to partner with organizations that are already experts in doing whatever this thing is yeah. and not thinking that we're just going to do a, our own thing because at least it's ours, but it's a really, we don't really know what the hell we're doing. Exactly. And so we're going to kind of half-ass it, but hey, it's our thing and we're only going to support our thing. Well, well, and I think if we stand... If we stand for, like, that salvation is transformation, yeah. like, that's, in our, like, day and culture, like, that's pretty universally acceptable. Like, that's not even, like, the most controversial, like, everyone wants to be a better person in mm-hmm. 2019 in Silicon Valley. So, that's not even, like, a hard thing to go after. Yeah. And it's a core tenet to the gospel. And, like, if you get 100, you know, 100 people in for that... Uh, and then, you know, they also maybe, you know, listen to other stuff that maybe we don't agree with or whatever, but then, but then they're also like, hear the gospel for the first time. I, th- I think that's a win. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and so, yeah. And so if the, if the mission and sort of let's like, well, okay, what we do stand for in this paradigm is this transformation and this like, you know, partnering with God to make the the world a better place, right? So you use like the secular phrase, like Paul did, everyone wants to make the world a better place, all the entrepreneurs and all the, you know, whatever. And if you could threaten, you know, try, try to throw in a little humility of like, hey, God is doing this. He's making it happen. It's not your effort. It's not your, you know, but we can partner with him in that and he can use you and he can use, you know, me and he can use, you know, and, and thread a little Christian humility in some of these like, ideas that the world's like already you know all about anyway I think could be a, a good starting point mm-hmm. so anyway, that's yeah to keep the mission from being about nothing it's like I think that's you know you, you'd find some common ground yeah. right that it's like wow this is true in kind of the mainstream culture and this is true with Jesus I have one one last question that I at least want to hear I overheard on Bart today that there are over 41,000 different denominations within Christianity. Fun fact. Hmm. Who knows if it's true or not. And I've also been very skeptical of a certain church plant in Oakland of, why are you planting a church in Oakland when there are a million fucking churches in Oakland? Why are you not partnering with, you know, making another church better rather than going and Hmm. insisting on doing your own thing? Hmm. Hmm. So... That said, 
what idea do you have of what your relationship is going to be with the many existing churches out there? And also, why do you think you need to make this separately? And, you know, why not just partner with an existing church already? Yeah, great question once again. Uh, I think... Killing it. And this is a little bit from, like, secondhand experience, but so from my friend who has, you know, done this this co-working space in a church and his experience with that, it's been really interesting where he, he sort of... And this is, you know, a very small data point. It's anecdotal, but it, it is still perhaps indicative of the situation. And he's like, man, like, I don't think I'd do it this way. Again, like, there's so much resistance from the religious powers that be to change. And, and there's, uh, there, there's so much that, that it, it's kind of like, it's, it's harder. Uh, uh, if the church is dying, it's harder to raise the dead than birth a new baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and, and so he, he sort of, his, his thought is like, I'd either just, you know, do a consultancy and I'd consult with churches to help them. And, you know, here's some ideas and, and get them to buy in and have ownership, but not try to like, partner with them because it's almost too hard but it's like they either buy in or they don't yeah um or just like do it all myself and sort of control the experience yeah. so i think i think so coming it is the reason why because this isn't just like a hit new church but this is really like pretty fundamentally different mm-hmm. um i think why why not partner with church and but trying to do our own thing would be is it almost like there's already so many pharisees out there you're not going to change all their mind Maybe we got to do a new thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, no, I, exactly. Because I think if you look at American evangelical and evangelicalism, it is closer to the Pharisee, right? It, it, it is. I mean, it, it is. It is in a bad place. Like it's not in a like okay place. It's not. But it's in an actively bad place. And like the example is the broad backing of Donald Trump by mainstream evangelicalism who has way I mean who, how would we and not like what character in the Bible would Donald Trump be like hmm, he's a hedonist he, he's Herod and what did the Pharisees do they backed Herod why because they wanted to overthrow Rome because they had their own agenda they had their own power struggle and it's 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 the same. It's being played out again. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so at a high level, yeah, I think that's part of it. At the local level, because it's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe there's a local church and they're great. And what's the problem here? Because there's a lot of great local churches. There are. There's mm-hmm. a lot of um, great great people in great local churches. I, I think for them is is then it's just the fact of yeah, but the people in those local churches that are great. Like church works for them. Like they're happy. Like it, it works for them. But but the people we're kind of going after. Is like the people have fallen through the crack. Like the people that it doesn't work. Like mm. the people who are frustrated. The people who are bitter. Who are di- you know. And so it's like trying to work with people who don't see the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work because they're just like, well, I you know I have my family and I go here and this is great and I have my community group and I disciple and I and, and which is all like really good things, but because they don't see a problem, they're not going to try to go after this radical solution. So they're not really going to be a whole heart partner because mm-hmm. um, the pastor is he has a salary he has his church building that he's got to pay off he has his like they have their own financial and, and sort of uh, goals that is just natural so I don't see how it would be compatible um, but I could be proven wrong this is all sort of at a high level but that's my initial thought yeah. but it's the humility that we're looking for mm-hmm. 
and in a way, you're you're partnering, <laughs> kind of ironically, you're you you'd end up partnering in your actual plan. You're partnering with the people who are actually pursuing truth more than the religion that you're supporting. At least most of its yeah. practicing people. Yeah. So. All it means is that at some point we're going to have to sneak you away to Egypt while Harry tries to hunt you down and kill you. But, <laughs> you know, that may have to be Mexico. I'll lead the way. I've been there once. Um, Perfect. But, you know, at some point you'll make a triumphant return. So mm. we can look forward to that. And Do we have any closing notes or otherwise we will end this sucker? One final thought along this. And so one of the challenges, so to the universalism and what's sort of going, one of the actual challenges will be uh, will be Christian denominations. So if you actually if you have like a Christian talk, a Muslim talk, an atheist talk, and it's very clear and it's very uh, that's I think is actually like a pretty good place to be. Where this could really fall apart is if the vetting of the speakers and understanding who the Christian speakers are is not done in, in a good way. And all of a sudden the Christian talk comes up and it's a guy who's like, you know, I don't know, uh, super old, super reformed, is, mm-hmm. you know, and goes on. And all of a sudden, it, because that's the problem. And then, and then they confuse the people of what Christianity is. Mm. So like the most important thing would be that the Christian talks be sort of what, Vetting our own people. Vetting our own people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like if the Muslim guy or the atheist guy goes off on like a super weird tangent, like that's fine either way. Like, it, like if he has like something great and awesome, that's fine. If it's something like super weird and like, yeah, I, that's fine too. But if the Christian guy goes super weird uh, or says something, you know, that's gonna be bad. Um, so that'll be tricky. But um, and anyway, you know, I guess at that point you have to like play the whole non-denom well, Christian it, thing I, I don't know you know maybe you don't want to necessarily back down to some of the the, the fact that some even within our own ranks are pretty fucked up we'll have a bad Christian example on there to be like hey you know what we are active truth seekers and we think some of what he says is bullshit even hmm. though he's claiming to come from the same place that we are so I, you know, I, I think you frame it that way. That could be really powerful. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be, yeah. That be we're, we're willing to, you know, really test our own shit too. So maybe, maybe at the beginning you don't want to necessarily do that to right. confuse the initial message of right. what we're trying to do here. Right. But I think at some point, you know, you can't, you know, at some point we don't want to shy away from all of the things and even our own darkness and hmm. bad information in some ways. So anyway. Rob, any last thoughts? No. Okay. So that has been... Actually, I was really... We'll really just throw this into the the recurring segment slash episode of people destroying Christianity. But this is the other side of it. Maybe people reforming Christianity. You're destroying it to create it anew Mm. in a better way. So we're loosely defining it right now. But anyway. So keep an eye out for Founders Church, people. Because um, it'll be the best church you've ever been to. That's not saying much, but still. (laughs) It'll be a place where you can have a conversation and not just be talked at, I think.